RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I'm your host, Vincent Hill. Today's Wednesday, April the 17th. We got a lot of ground to cover. I want to jump right into it today. I, I guess we can call this episode Video Wednesday because each case I'm going to talk about has to do with some video. I want to start in Charlotte, North Carolina, where a individual was shot and killed by Charlotte police back on March 25th, I believe. Then I want to shoot over to New Orleans, something that's going viral now. And people are saying that this officer who was recently promoted to a high-ranking position should be fired. He used too much force on a female. I want to talk about that video. Then I want to talk about a video you probably haven't heard about uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, New Hope, Pennsylvania, where an individual was shot uh, by a police officer inside a holding cell, and that officer believed he was holding his taser, and that officer uh, is not being charged. I want to talk about all of those cases. I want to talk about the specifics as it relates to the law and what officers uh, are trained to do and what officers can do. And then I want to talk about the uh, discrepancy in reporting these cases, uh, which we all know happens uh, in the mainstream media. And the first one, of course, I want to talk about, again, is the shooting in Charlotte that happened back on the 25th of March. Uh, fatal shooting, officer involved shooting, 27-year-old Don Quarius Napoleon Franklin was shot outside of a Burger King. Now, of course, uh, the NAACP, uh, the community there, they're protesting the shooting uh, I will say he was armed with the gun, but now people are saying, well, police reacted too quickly uh, to to shoot him. Actually, they didn't. Luckily, this was caught on body cam, which I believe if this does get an indictment, which I doubt because I believe the officer was acting uh, within policy, within uh, what they're trained to do, protect and serve the community. Um, I believe that this female officer will... Uh, not face any charges. Now, she is uh, a female officer. She's white, of course. Uh, the victim in this case who was shot and killed uh, was black. Uh, but let me give you some background before I play this uh, about a minute or so um, audio for you from the body cam. Um, workers at a Burger King in Charlotte called police, said, hey, there's a man with a gun who's starting fights with some of the workers. Well, guess what? When you call the police and you say there's a man with a gun, guess what? They're going to show up. They're not going to say, well, we can't come because he's black. We can't come because we may have to shoot him. And we're just going to let you fend for yourself. And if he kills everyone in the Burger King, so what? We're not going to respond because he's black. And we may have to shoot him and take his life. It doesn't work that way. When people call for police to show up, Especially with a man with a gun. Guess what? Police show up. They respond code three, blue light siren. They get there quick so they can assess the situation, so they can eliminate the threat. Of course, the initial 
thought process is, hey, let's get this person to drop the gun so we don't have to shoot and kill them. You don't have to get those commands. Those are just formalities. Those are just things you can do to try to de-escalate the situation. But if you're faced with someone with a gun, quite frankly, police can shoot immediately if there's a threat, if they can articulate an imminent threat against their lives or someone else's. So let's play this audio. Then we we want to come back and, and talk about it. So you heard that. That was about a minute, minute and 12 seconds to be exact. So that tells you how how fast things can escalate. But there were a few things going on there. And if you haven't seen the video, I urge you to watch it. So uh, Don Quirish, uh Franklin was outside. He was actually kneeled down next to a maroon Honda. The passenger side door was open. He was kneeled down uh, on the other side of the passenger door facing inside the car. Now, inside the car, there was someone in the driver's seat. Police, they didn't know who this person was in the driver's seat. They don't know what's going on. So you, you heard during that, A, that they gave him several commands to drop the gun. Drop the gun. He didn't do that. Then in that video, there's a worker from Burger King. Uh, I assume it's a worker. They had on a Burger King uh, uniform. Uh, that they say, ma'am, get out of the way because she's standing right by the car, looking into the car, standing next to the guy with the gun. So they tell her to get out of the way because they have to protect and serve the community. Not only was the officer telling her to get out of the way because they may have to fire on this individual, the individual had a gun. So you heard the commands, drop the gun, drop the gun. At some point, you can see on the video, he raises his right hand. Now, it's not clear if he's pointing the gun, getting ready to point the gun at the officers or the guy in the car. But that's irrelevant. What is relevant here is the fact that it was a gun and he raised his right hand, which means more than likely he was about to pull the trigger. And even if that wasn't the case, when you say drop the gun, you don't raise your hand to drop the gun. So could, it, could this have been suicide by a cop? Very well could have been. Could he have been getting ready to shoot the person inside the car? Very well could have been. Could he have been getting ready to shoot himself in the head? Very well could have been. But police had no idea of that situation, what was going on in his mind. They are trained to eliminate the threat and to protect life of themselves and others. So you have this guy with the gun. You have 
a person inside the car, which is probably two feet away from him when he could have shot him very quickly. And he doesn't pick He doesn't drop the gun. So they shoot him. And then you can see in the body cam footage. So it's not disputed. She goes up to the individual after he's shot. She reaches under his body and removes the gun. It's captured in video. So he was definitely armed. So now, again, like I said, the community, the NAACP there is saying, well, they reacted too fast to this deadly force. No, they didn't. They gave several commands for him to drop the gun. He refused to drop the gun. So there's a Kareen Mack. She's the president of the Charlotte Mettenberg uh, NAACP chapter. She summed up her reaction to the video in these four words, hurt, disgust, anger, and frustration. Uh, But she said, if you choose to protest, you should do it peacefully. Now she goes on to say that the officer didn't follow procedure. Well, I didn't know that you were expert in police procedures, but actually she did follow procedure. She eliminated the threat. She protected and served the community. She protected someone against an imminent threat against their life. All right. Anyway, and she didn't view Don Quarries Franklin as a man, but as a danger. Well, I will agree with that statement because when I approach someone, when I was in patrol, if they were armed, I'm not saying, oh, this is a man here that may have a family or this is a man here that looks like me or this is a man here that looks like or this is a female here that no i see that person being armed with a gun with a knife with anything that can cause imminent bodily injury against myself or others as a danger as a threat and police are trained to eliminate the threat so i will agree with that statement And then she goes on to say, Miss Mack goes on to say that this female officer shoots this man while he was adhering to her commands. No, he was not. Because when you drop when you when you watch the video and you hear the officers saying, drop the gun, drop the gun several times, she was not. He rather was not adhering to her commands. So is it damned if you do damned if you don't again police were called because this individual was armed with a gun obviously if people called and said he had a gun he brandished the gun inside the burger king then he's not dropping the gun he's two feet away from someone inside the car And it's unclear if it's about to be a hostage situation, if he's about to shoot this individual. It's all unclear about that. But then they weren't acting within policy or they reacted too fast to use deadly force. How's that possible? I didn't count how many times they said drop the gun, but they said it countless times. And again, at some point, especially in that split second when He raises his right hand. Time for talking is over. When that person raises that right hand with a gun to signify that they're about to shoot you, someone else, the time for talking is over. You're not yelling, drop the gun. Once you see that hand move, what you're doing then is you are pulling your gun on target. 
you're firing two shots at a mass, which you could hear on the tape, and then you're reassessing to see if you need to fire more shots. Now, what you didn't see here, since you know Corinne Mack says that they didn't follow uh, procedure, what you didn't see here is what we've seen sometimes in the past. And like if you look at Laquan McDonald in Chicago, who was shot 16 times, you saw the officer actually following what her training says. Two shots, reassess. And if you need to fire another shot, I always say two to the shot, two to the body, one to the head. That's what we're trained to do. So you didn't hear multiple shots, 13, 14, 15, 16 shots going off. Once they saw that the threat was down, they reassessed, they approached, they removed the firearm, and then they attempted to get him medical attention. So all of these people that are police experts, Corinne Mack, who's saying she didn't follow policy and they acted too fast, put yourselves in that officer's shoes, not as an officer, but as a civilian. How long would you take to pull that trigger? If this person had a gun, this person that had come into the business, who had apparently brandished the gun, who was fighting with people, and you're face-to-face with this individual, and this individual has a gun, and you don't know if he's going to kill you, and you're armed, and you want to get home to your family, and how many times are you going to say, drop the gun, drop the gun, drop the gun? I can tell you how many times you're going to say it before you shoot. Zero. You know why? Because the civilian world is not trained to de-escalate the situation. Where police, they're trained to de-escalate the situation. So a civilian, like most of these people that are probably down there protesting, wouldn't say, hey man, drop the gun, drop the gun. They would shoot first before they got shot. They wouldn't wait for him to raise his right hand in an attempt to cause bodily harm or death to someone else around them. No, they would shoot immediately because they're not trained to de-escalate the situation. And it would be their legal right to protect themselves against death or bodily injury. That's what the law says. As a civilian, you can do that to protect yourself against bodily injury. So of all the shootings that we see in Charlotte that aren't police related, because they happen every day, and the media doesn't cover those, are we going to start asking, well, how many times did you tell them to drop the gun? Was there an imminent threat against your life? Was there an imminent threat against someone else's life? Was there an imminent threat that if you didn't fire that gun at that exact moment, and if this person got away, they could cause harm to someone else? If we started going to these shooting trials where guys who look like other guys that are shooting the guys that look like them, if we started going to those trials and asking these questions, man, there'd be a lot of people getting off. There'd be a lot of people confused. Well, why, why, why would I have to say that? Why would I have to say that? Huh. But you expect the police to be able to get there and not shoot someone armed with a gun that raises their hand in a threatening manner But you would do the exact same thing and not be held to the same standard of trying to de-escalate the situation. Man, that's funny. Uh, I'll be curious to see how this goes. Again, the shooting happened March 25th. Uh, It's funny that CNN didn't report it because, in my opinion, my opinion only, 
It doesn't fit their narrative. Yes, there was a black man shot by a white police officer, but when they watched that video and saw that this black man was armed, like, well, we can't really get a story out of this one because it doesn't fit our narrative. But I thought their job was to report the news fairly and accurately, but maybe that's just me. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't covered on CNN. But, um, you know, that's how things go. Uh, I want to talk about New Orleans. Of course, uh, last week they had their uh, one of their festivals. They always have festivals throughout the year. But before that, I do that. I want to take this time to talk about ghost beds. It's that time. I got to pay these bills. So check it out. Right. I've been sleeping so much lately, like this morning. I honestly overslept and I woke up. The sun was bright and I'm like, oh, crap. I forgot to wake my son up for school. I look at my my phone. It says it's like 730. Of course, he's supposed to be on the bus by 710. So I text him really quick. I said, please tell me you're on the bus. He said, yes, I'm on the bus. But I've been getting the best sleep I think I've had in, in a long time. And it's because of my ghost bed. When I tell you when I hit that sack, as they say, and fall asleep, I am in heaven. I'm in heaven. So with that, imagine you are able to sleep better and more comfortable and longer. There it is longer for a relatively low cost. Uh, what separates ghost beds from the others is that they were founded on the principles of delivering a bigger, better and more comfortable mattress at a lower cost. Ghostbed has three mattresses, all designed to help you sleep better, and they offer a 101-night hassle-free return and amazing customer service. 101-night hassle-free return. You can't beat that. With over 20,000 positive reviews, make sure you check them out. Hey, you can go to ghostbed.com backslash the badge for some amazing deals. You can save a few hundred dollars off a mattress, which is already lower than if you went to a mattress shop. So go to Ghostbed, check them out. Again, ghostbed.com backslash the badge. If you want some real sleep, I urge you to go to Ghostbed. All right, now, New Orleans. So again, um, New Orleans, they were having uh, one of their French Quarter festivals. Uh, and back on April 15th, which was just a few days ago, uh, Monday, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, there was an altercation, of course. You know, New Orleans is known for the festivals, uh, Mardi Gras. You have the Essence Festival that goes on there. So at any given time, there's always hundreds, hundreds, thousands of people crowding the streets of New Orleans. So there was a fight that broke out uh, between some females, which typically happens. People drinking, a lot of people. There's going to be some fights, right? It's nothing new. But, of course, in this age of cell phone video, everybody's recording everything. Uh, at least they're recording this parts when police start throwing people around. They don't record everything until stuff escalates. So, um, this past week, there was an incident and there was a police officer who was recently promoted who was there on the street and he's seen doing two takedowns on uh, a female in the street. So, of course, this has gone viral. It's had over 40,000 views, 1,300 shares. And, of course, people are saying he used excessive force. Now, I've watched this video 
and I've watched it and I've watched it and I've watched it and I urge you to watch it. Don't just take my word for it. And I didn't see anything excessive there. Um, first of all, again, people were fighting. So what is the police officer's job there to break up the fight and to arrest those involved in the fight? So there's two tasks that they have to complete there. First, break up the fight when tempers are already flaring and then arrest the individuals involved in the fight when tempers are already flaring. So you can see the officer pull the female back. He does a leg takedown. Nothing too hard. Nothing that I haven't done a hundred times. He can actually see him trying to control her head on the way down. So she doesn't hit her head on one of the takedowns. Um, she gets up from the first takedown. Wham. Swings. Hit his purse. Okay. Hits him with her purse. All right. The first one, I'm going to go ahead and give it to her that maybe she thought it was one of the girls she was fighting. All right. You're, you're fighting. You get thrown to the ground. You get up. You just turn around. You swing. It's reflex. Okay. I'll give you the first one. But after that, she looks the police officer right in his face and then starts swinging at him again. She swings with the right hand. He, she makes contact. Guess what he does? He does another leg sweep to take her down to affect his arrest. That's what he's supposed to do. Affect his arrest. So, eventually, she's placed in the custody. She's charged with the assault, uh, with resisting arrest, and she goes to jail. Case closed, right? Well, not so fast. Again, it's had uh, 48,000 views, 1,300 shares, 550 comments about this, and the person that actually recorded it with her phone uh, told a different version of what the video shows because you know she's like oh well she didn't see what was going on and she thought it was the the girl that hit her uh when she got up and hit her and then the cop just took her down and started punching and kicking on her well at no time in the video does the officer punch or kick this young woman he just doesn't do it he does two takedowns and then guess what he puts her in handcuffs she goes to jail. Now, in my opinion, because I've done this job, I've had to do a takedown here and there. I've had to break up a fight here and there. In my opinion, he used the amount of force necessary to affect the arrest because I'll give her, like I said, I will give her the very first swing because maybe she did think it was one of the girls she was fighting. But when she looked at the officer and proceeded to swing with the right hand, she knew she was assaulting a police officer. Uh, so, case is being investigated by uh, NOPD. The superintendent there, uh, Superintendent Ferguson, says in a statement, and I quote, I want our community to know we are taking this incident very seriously, and you can be confident the NOPD is committed to conducting a fair and impartial investigation. Please understand these investigations take time, but that we will continue to be transparent through the process. Well, in my opinion, this investigation, you have all your proof in that video. I don't see it taking a lot of time. Uh, and and I, I, I really hope, I really hope, again, that this officer is not made an example for simply doing his job. Now, if 
there was a point in that video where after this young lady was handcuffed and the officer is still punching her or kicking her or pepper spraying her after the fight is over, if you will. When I say the fight is over, I mean the suspect is in custody. If there was cases, if there was a case of that, then yes. But uh, the this guy who was newly promoted to the eighth district commander, Octavia Baldazaro is his name. In my opinion, use the amount of force necessary to effect the arrest. In my opinion, everything that you need for this investigation is there in the video. I would love to see if they pull traffic cam that captures everything leading up to that point because New Orleans is a city like New York and Chicago where, trust me, there's cameras, there's real-time cameras all throughout that city. They've caught shooters in New Orleans because of those real-time cameras. So I hope that they pull all of the other footage just to go along to say, yes, this officer did act in line of our policy. And their use of force policy, just like use of force policies throughout this country, use the amount of force necessary to effect the arrest. He did a simple takedown two times. He didn't use strikes, which are authorized when you have someone resisting. He didn't use pepper spray, which probably would have been authorized. Uh, Based on his uniform and based on the fact that he's commander and looking at this video, I don't see where he, he would have had a taser, but he didn't use a taser. He didn't use an ass baton. He didn't use anything that really you could have articulated and justified to affect this arrest. He used two simple takedowns and he eventually got her handcuffed. And now it's just, well, he used excessive force and it needs to be investigated. But, you know, just like the shooting in, in, in Charlotte that we just talked about, when you call the police or you expect the police to do something because in this shooting or in this takedown in, in New Orleans, how long do you think it would have gone before someone would call the police? Police were already there because they were out patrolling because they knew there were thousands of people in the street. How long do you think it would have taken someone to call the police? So let's take the police out of the situation from already being there. Let's be honest here. There's a group of female blacks fighting in the street, in a tourist city. Eventually, someone would have called the police. Guess what? Police would have responded and you would have gotten the, the same results. So you you expect police to do their jobs up until the point they do their jobs. When you look at Charlotte, hey, police, there's a guy here with a gun. I need you to come here and protect me because I don't want to get shot. But then when police have to use deadly force, why'd you shoot him? Hey, police, there's a group of black females here fighting. I need you to come help. Oh, but you had to take her down and it doesn't look like you took her down right. And I'll go back to what I said about that shooting in Charlotte. Now, keep in mind, before this officer took her down, she was involved in a fight with females where you can see them punching each other, trying to slam each other, pulling hair Nobody was holding them accountable for their actions. And again, police are trained to de-escalate, but in every situation, you can't de-escalate. If you have someone armed with a gun that has a gun down to their side and it's not in a threatening manner at that 
particular time, you can say drop the gun, drop the gun, drop the gun. But if you have a bunch of females fighting each other and assaulting each other, you don't have time to say, ma'am, could you please stop punching her? Please stop punching her. Please stop punching her before you throw them to the ground to try to break them up. You have to do that immediately. So while this person was videotaping this fight and you can hear her in the video on her cell phone saying, oh, he's wrong for that. He's wrong for that. He's wrong for that. Talking about the officer. Why weren't they saying, oh, she's wrong for that during the fight? They're wrong for that during the fight. So, again, civilians can do whatever they want to do and not be held accountable. But if police get involved, oh, my God, oh, my God, he's wrong for that. He's wrong for that. Mm, It shouldn't be a, a double standard if we go to a court with this assault for these two females no one's going to say why'd you punch her in the face no one's going to say well why'd you body slam her but since a police officer had to step in and do his job and use the amount of force necessary to affect the arrest now all of a sudden it's a problem Hmm. all right on to the next next and last because it's almost time to get out of here I've been rambling long enough. So here's a shooting. I bet you didn't hear of. Uh, It happened, I believe, in March uh, in New Hope, Pennsylvania. And a guy by the name of Brian Reeling was shot in the stomach by police officers. Well, by a police officer. And the district attorney there in Bucks County, Matthew Weintraub, says, or Wine. Rob, uh, sorry if I butchered his name. Um, he says the officer will not face charges and that officer has retired. Now, um, the officer's white and the individual that was shot is white. Now, here's how CNN reported this in their two-minute article. Police shoot unarmed man in holding cell. Now, remember at the start of the show how I said that uh, um, the reporting discrepancies. Now, CNN didn't even run the shooting in Charlotte because, again, didn't fit fit their narrative. Now, picture this. Picture this. If the individual that was shot in this holding cell, this Brian Reeling, was African-American, CNN's headline would have said, police shoot unarmed black man in the holding cell. But again, since it didn't fit the narrative, even though they're supposed to report accurate, fair media, police shoot unarmed man in holding cell. Why not say police shoot unarmed white man in holding cell? Anyway, I digress. Just something to think about. So on Friday, district attorney came back and said there would not be charges against the officer whose name has not been released yet. Uh, but, uh, there was a shooting, and I believe it happened April the 2nd, inside the holding cell, or it may have been sometime in March. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, the gist of it is that this guy was arrested. I guess he was sending messages to his girlfriend about he was going to come kick her butt. She's a prostitute, yada, yada, yada. And he used a crowbar to break into her house, and police got there, and they arrested him. So as he's in the holding cell... Uh, 
He's taking off his belt. You can clearly see on the, the body, or not the body cam, but I guess the camera from inside the holding cell, that a baggie falls out of his waistband. You know, those of us that have done law enforcement, when you see a baggie with white powdery substance, you particularly know what it is. There's two things it could be. Meth or cocaine. It's definitely not sugar. It's definitely not flour. And he, the guy, Brian, tries to step on it to hide it. I guess he was hoping police didn't see it. I've seen that a hundred times. People drop drugs out of their pants. They step on it hoping I didn't see it. So one officer's in the holding cell. He sees it. He pushes him down onto the bench to try to remove the drugs. The guy starts scruffling with them. Then the other officer comes in and you hear the word taser. And it wasn't his taser he pulled out. It was his Glock. He shoots him and it's pretty close quarters pretty close quarters uh i don't like the monday morning quarterback but uh, you know at that point i don't even know if i would have pulled out my taser because the other officer the primary officer was tussling with this guy so he very easily could have tased his partner at that point or the other officer uh, the holding cell based on the the the, by the footage doesn't look that big. It's really, really tight in there. So you hear Taser. Next thing you know, bow. He's shot in the stomach. He lives. Um, and he manages to flush drugs down the toilet. How he did that after being shot, man, he's Superman. But anyway, he lives. Uh, district attorney says there won't be any charges. He did say the shooting wasn't justified, but it wasn't illegal. And, you know, I urge you to, to watch the video uh, there's some bad language in there. The guy's like, why the F did you shoot me? Can't say that. I blame him for saying that because, um, you know, I, I personally, you know, with that tight of a quarters, I don't know if I would have pulled my, my weapon out because you make yourself susceptible to this guy um, grabbing your gun from you. A lot of stuff could have happened there. Uh, me personally, I think that, hey, listen, that it's two of you guys. It's one of him. It's tight quarters. You could either subdue him with your ass baton. Uh, you definitely don't want to use pepper spray when the other officer's right there on him, too, because you, you risk uh, um, spraying the officer. But, uh, you know, one of the things the district attorney said, well, based on what he had done leading up to his arrest, it was reasonable that he could have been a threat. I kind of disagree with that statement because, yeah, you were sending your girlfriend text about she's a prostitute and maybe she is a prostitute. I don't know. And that uh, you, you didn't like her and all of this other stuff. Maybe he doesn't like her. And yeah, you did break in with a crowbar, but you were actually under arrest. You were removed from that scene. So I guess the district attorney was saying, well, since he broke into someone's house, it's likely that he would be a threat against this officer's life. It could be, could be not, but you know, every situation is different. Uh, when you watch the video, I personally again think that they probably could have handled that with hand to hand combat, probably a lot of strikes, an ass baton, things of that nature, uh, to get the situation under control. Again, even pulling out the taser, uh, you, you would have put the other officer in risk. Now, he did say he violated department policy because he was wearing his taser on the same side of his gun. And I guess that department policy is to wear it on the opposite side. And when I watched the video, the other officer does have it on the opposite side. Uh, 
in a downward draw on his leg. So I guess they're doing that to make sure you know if you're going for your opposite side downward draw on your leg that it's actually your taser versus on your dominant side hip where you keep your gun. So he says he violated policy. The shooting was not justified, but he would not face any charges because uh, he reasonably believed that there was a, a threat there. Bag drops to the floor. The arrested Brian Ryling steps on it and is then pushed over by two New Hope police officers. He calls for a taser, but instead pulls out a gun, shooting Ryling once in the stomach at close range. All right, so there you heard it. You know, there was uh, that taser, and then right before that, there was. Uh, right after that, there was uh, the gunshot. So, and that was actual audio from the video inside the holding cell. Um, you know, but it's one of those things, right? You know, we've seen these cases. You know, we saw it in Oklahoma where the reserve officer uh, shot and killed the guy a couple of years ago when he thought he was pulling out his taser. Uh, he received, I think, four years in prison for manslaughter. Of course, there was a big uh, thing in, in uh, Oakland where the BART officer shot and killed the individual. I can't remember his name offhand, but they made the movie about it, uh, Furtiville Station, uh, where he thought he was going for a taser. And you can actually hear in that body cam footage, taser, taser. And he actually had his gun. Um so in this, you know, those two are just some well-known cases. You know, I guess the bigger point is you know, it can happen very easily. Um, again, not the Monday morning quarterback in this situation. I think the tactics that they used inside that holding cell um, would have prevented this from happening. I know when I was patrolling in Nashville – and I don't know why this didn't happen here. Maybe because it's a very, 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 very small department, New Hope, Pennsylvania. But the minute we walked inside the first part of the jail, there's lockers there where we would actually have to place our weapons into the locker so that we didn't go into the holding cells armed. And that wasn't necessarily more to make sure we didn't just go in there and shoot someone. I'm sure that that was part of it. But the bigger part was... That was to make sure that, hey, you didn't get overtaken and someone take your gun and shoot you and everybody else in there, all the law enforcement in there, rather, and then get out. All right. So I don't know why these officers were in the holding cell with their weapons. Again, maybe that's department policy, maybe because the department is so small. But I think that would have prevented that particular instance now. When you're talking about this happening on the street, and there was there was another one. Um, I can't remember where it happened. I saw it earlier today when I was researching where a female shot an officer. I want to say maybe it was here in Georgia. She, sh she didn't shoot an officer. I'm sorry. She shot a suspect during a traffic stop that was fighting with another officer. And she, too, said, taser, taser. She believed uh, she had an, her taser out. Uh, but she shot him, and that was a big controversy. Um, and part of me says it shouldn't be a controversy because this individual was on top of the other officer and pretty much pummeling him, which means he could have caused great bodily injury or death to that officer or gotten his gun. 
uh, you know, at which point deadly force is authorized. But she believed she had her taser out, which may have worked, may not have worked, because I can show you countless videos where people have been tased and they just look at you like you're crazy. Uh, So, you know, maybe there's some training opportunities there for police that have tasers. Uh, I never had one, so I can't say I could put myself in that situation. I never even wanted one um, when I was on the street and they only gave them to certain officers when I was in patrol. Uh, Thankfully, I wasn't one of those because I too could be in that situation because, you know, in those split seconds when you're in the heat of the moment and you're knuckling up with someone and you think you're going for a taser, but for five, six, 10, 11, 20 years, the only thing you've had on your hip is a gun. Then remember what I say about muscle memory? We go for muscle memory. Maybe it's not so much that the officers are intending to shoot someone with the taser and they accidentally pull out the gun. Maybe it's more of that muscle memory for the last 10, 15, 20 years, and now you give me a taser, there's a little bit of of a difference here. And I noticed that this guy that did this in New Hope, he had been on the department, I think they said 30 years. I'm not sure how long he had a taser. Um, The the guy in Oklahoma, he had been on the force for several years. Not sure how long he had a taser. But if I had to speculate, if I had to guess, I would say they recently got a taser and they recently learned the taser, but their muscle memory from all those years and years and years and years tells them, go right for your hip, unholster, and pull the trigger. So they may be thinking taser, but their muscle memory is saying, you went for your gun, boom. Just something to think about. But yeah, I am disappointed in the way it was reported uh, on CNN. Again, um, police shoot unarmed man but again if this was an african-american police shoot unarmed black man and they would have all of their pundits on there talking about it but that's not something we saw here uh unfortunately and you know just like they didn't report the uh charlotte shooting because it didn't fit their narrative you know if we're going to report the news let's report all news let's report it fairly All right, with that said, it's time for my 10-7 segment because I am way over, and I appreciate you for staying around and listening to me ramble on, but I think these cases are very important uh, because it it just tells you the state of the police world. You know, we're expected to do our jobs until we actually do our jobs, and then it's a problem, and then everybody wants to point the finger, and everybody wants to be a police expert, and everybody wants to say that we weren't following procedure, and we could have done this differently but we're expected to do our jobs until we do our jobs. All right, it's time for my 10-7 segment tonight. I want to honor Deputy Sheriff Justin DeRosa. Um, he's a sheriff in Washington State. Uh, Deputy Sheriff Justin DeRosa was shot and killed in the 100 block of Farlett Road after responding to invest after responding to investigate reports of a disabled motorhome shortly after 10 p.m. After arriving at the scene, he contacted dispatch with emergency traffic and stated he was being fired at. Members of the K-9 
Cowlitz County Sheriff's Office and the Coloma Police Department responded to the scene and were able to pull him to safety. He was flown to Peace Health Medical Center in Vancouver, where he shortly, uh, I presume, where he shortly died after midnight. There's a word left out here in this write-up. Two suspects were taken into custody near the scene. A third suspect was shot and killed when he was encountered by other officers who were searching for him the following night. Uh, The subject who was killed was the half-brother of the man who murdered Chief of Police Ralph Painter of the Rainer Police Department, Oregon, on July 5th, 2011. Wow, sounds like that's a whole family of cop killers. Um, Deputy DeRoser had served with the Cowlitz County Sheriff's Office for three years and had previously served with the Whitman County Sheriff's Office for three years. He was survived by his wife and five-month-old daughter. Wow, that's sad. She won't even get a chance to remember her dad. At five months old, I assure you, she will have no memory of her father. Uh, So his total years as a police officer was six years. Uh, The shooting actually occurred April 13th, and he passed away on April the 14th at midnight. Uh, Again, it just shows you anything can happen in policing. Who would have thought, or as my grandma would say, who would have thunk it that in the middle of nowhere, Washington State, responding to a disabled motorhome, that this officer would lose his life and another man would lose his life for trying to fight with police. All right. I want to thank you for listening so much. I appreciate you as always. I will see you next week. Same time, same place right here. Radioinfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a Rush the Field with Scott Seidenberg and Chris Landry Quick Fix on Radio Influence. One of the positive overreactions was to Justin Fields' debut as the Ohio State quarterback. Now, whether or not he's going to be the starter or not is up for debate. Of course, they're not going to name a starter just yet. Uh, We can get into the merits of that if you want in a couple of minutes. But Justin Fields, the highlight that you're going to see, and I'm sure everybody listening to to this podcast has seen it, Chris, the 98-yard touchdown pass. It was probably a 45-yard pass in the air, and the receiver did the rest of the work. But 98 looks good. But the negative side of Justin Fields is if you take away that 98-yard touchdown, And I know what you're going to say, Scott. You can't take it away. It happened. But let's just, for argument's sake, take it away. He was Mm -hmm. only 3 of 12 passing for 33 yards on the rest of his attempts without that 98-yard touchdown pass. So when you say, you know, hey, he completed four passes for 131 yards and Mm -hmm. a touchdown, that's great. Take away the 98-yard pass, Chris. And now we're talking about 3 of 12 for 33 yards. Not that impressive of a debut for Justin Fields. The kid can run the ball. We know that. But passing-wise, this is a major drop-off from Dwayne Haskins. 
Well, there, there's no question about it. There, there's, there's no doubt that uh, there it's going to be a major drop off in terms of just passing uh, acumen. Now, what Justin Fields can provide is the dual threat capability, which, quite frankly, fits kind of what Urban Meyer used to like to run and what I think. Ryan Day is going to do is if that's where they end up going, that's where they're going to utilize them. Uh, But all this does, in my opinion, is show where Justin Fields is, uh, where he needs to grow and get better. And you just move from there. Rush the Field with Scott Seidenberg and Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. 